don't like how casual you're being about this. It's unnatural. Are you, and where are we, man? Whoa. Ah, whoa, 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 hey, listen, what are you doing here? I didn't want to tell you because I knew you wouldn't let this happen, okay? What did you do? We need him, Sam. You're going back to prison. If I may. No! no. When Steve refused to sign the Sokovia Accords, you backed him. You broke the law and you stuck your neck out from me. I'm asking you to do it again. I really think I'm invaluable. Shut up. Okay. If we do this, you don't make a move without our permission. There. Okay, Zemo. Where do we start? Welcome to issue 148 of the TomCast Podcast, coming to you from a secret lab inside of some shipping containers. My name is Tom. Thank you for listening to this quality independent pop culture podcast. Please make sure you're following us on the social media at TomCastPopCast on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show TomCastPopCast at gmail.com. Remember, we are on all your favorite podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Pandora Music, Amazon Music, Audible... And so many, many more. If you're listening via Apple Podcast, please take the time to write us a sweet, sweet, sweet five-star review. Uh, they are the easiest and bestest way to help show uh, support for a podcast that you're enjoying. And I sure hope to heck that you're enjoying this, this, like I said, quality entertainment pop culture podcast. <laughs> and we're back this week. It's Friday. That means we're back. We're doing The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Episode 3, Power Broker. Yeah, this was a, this episode happened today, and it was a doozy. Uh, there's some interesting stuff to get into here, and 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 you know as we as we sort of uh, barrel. I mean, we're at the halfway point. We're th- we're three episodes in of a six episode series, and uh, they uh, they they put a lot of things in play in this episode. So I can't wait to have the conversation and chat about everything that just happened on this episode. Again, I was up at three in the morning watching this, uh, and and. Uh, yeah, there's some stuff in there. There's a lot of a lot of, uh, a lot of meat on the bone this week, I think, to get into. And, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun conversation. Joining me once again for that conversation will be my brother, Mark, uh, who uh, is, is, is sort of the, the, the uh, well, if I'm like the hype man, he's sort of like the anti-hype man. Um, not that he's not enjoying these things, but he's much more even-keeled about them than I am. Quite, not quite as uh, fired up as I, as I tend to get about these these. Marvel shows and, and Star Wars shows and all the other shows we talk about on, on the show, on this podcast, if you will. So, yeah, we're going to get into that right now. But before we do that, I want to thank the official members of Pophead Nation, which you can become by heading over to patreon.com forward slash TomCastPopCast. You will get bonus content, which I owe our patrons a little bonus content. It's I'm, I'm, I'm lagging. I'm lagging right now, and I owe it to you guys, and I will make it up to you. I, I promise. I promise, promise, promise. Thank you to our current patrons. The... 
Aspen Hill Jody, the Batman of Bay Park, Jeff Nail. Jeff is a host of the Reunion a fantastic music podcast that I recommend. Thanks to Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles, the Squidmaster General Brian Broussard, the New Jersey Devil Mark Wegemer, and our very own Joker and Harley Quinn, Brian and Krista of Pariah Brewing Company, right here in San Diego, keeping the masses uh, satiated when they're thirsty. And that's always a good thing, especially as uh, it, it got rather warm the last couple of days here in San Diego. So uh, uh, we need the liquid libations that, that Pariah Brewing Company can provide. So head on over there and check them out and, and show them a little love for supporting this podcast that you're enjoying so much. Fingers crossed. All right, let's get into the show. Let's link up with Mark. And uh, yeah, here's a little transition clip for you. Enjoy. Oh, wait a second. Uh-oh, I almost blew it big time. We can't we can't go into the interview, the, to the conversation segment of the show uh, with, without everyone taking the, the, the required steps necessary, and that would be to sit down, buckle up, hold on to your butts, and buckle up again. Here we go. Bit of a tough profession in Madripoor, no? I never thought I'd end up there. But then when everybody returned and we got put out on the street, I knew that it was the only place that had something that I could use to protect us. Do you remember how scared we were when we took the serum? I felt like my veins were on fire. I prayed it'd kill me. But it was worth it. Because this world is ours. Should have been Mama Donya's. And we're going to use all of our strength to give it to the kids in those camps. Hey, all right. Joining me once again via the magic of the internet, via the power of Skype. My brother, Mark, how are you doing today, sir? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. It's been uh, an interesting last uh, 15 or 20 minutes, but that's that's talk for another time. <laughs> the audience does not need to know about that just yet at this moment. If We'll see if something develops, though, and we have to clue them into what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, it's vague and mysterious, and that's how I like it, Mark. You gotta hook him somehow. <laughs> it's it's a lot like Baron Zemo and his motivations. Hmm. Synergy, synergy. Yep. <laughs> I I see what you're doing there. Uh, before we get into breaking down episode three of the Falcon or of, of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, episode three is titled "The Power Broker," uh, who we don't actually meet in this episode, but he still gets his episode named after him anyways, uh, or right. him or her. We don't know for sure. Let's uh, let me let me do what we normally do. What beverage are you having today? Uh, I am having Rue Keller Hellas from oh, the brewery. I know that one. That's a quite a lovely beer. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, I am drinking a collaboration between San Diego's own Coronado Brewing Company and Carl Strauss Brewing Company. This is called Core Values. It's a West Coast IPA brewed with Pacific Northwest apples. Sounds good. Yeah, so get it. Core values, apple core. And... Yeah. <laughs> you got I there? I got it. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Let me, let me break it down for you, okay? Hold on. An apple has a core. No, all right. Yeah, this is, it's really good. It's, it's, um, again, it's, it's a, ho- you know, it's a hoppy West Coast IPA, uh, but there's just like a, that little kick of like, you know, apple, appleness to it. It's really nice. I wasn't sure what I would think of it, but it's, you know, it's not like drinking, you know, a a beer mixed with a cider or anything like that. Not that there aren't good beers mixed with ciders. I can talk about that another time, though. 
Can't say I've ever had one of those. I'll make you one next time. I know I I, I learned something when I was in Germany. <laughs> cool. But but hey, we're not here to talk about all that. We're here to get into episode three. Um, what overall? What was your impression of the episode? Good, bad? Not you know. What do you think? I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was a lot better than the first two episodes. Excuse me. Did you enjoy how fast it moved? It was a very quick paced episode. Uh, yes, I did. Yeah, I think I really, uh, I really, I, I really enjoyed it too. I had a great, a great time watching it. I was, I was sort of at first, I was sort of taken aback by how fast things happened. Like okay. you know, and, and you know, obviously spoilers. We're getting into the, the nitty gritty here. So if you haven't watched the episode, don't. I don't know why you're listening to this, but I was a little surprised how fast Nemo was sprung from prison. I said Nemo. I meant Zemo. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so stupid. We're off to a great start, Mark. I apologize. It's all good. But uh, uh, Zemo got out pretty darn quickly. Uh, uh, apparently maximum security prisons in, in Berlin, not that challenging. Yeah, I, it, it, that was one of my gripes about it. I thought he got out a little too quickly. I, I didn't think he made a good enough argument to... Uh, Winter Soldier to spring him. I, it just they just didn't sell it to me. <laughs> well, I, I, I sort of bumped up against that as well at first, but the more I thought about it, the more I was like, well, that's actually very comic book like, you know, because these guys break out of jail in like three panels in a comic book. So yeah, why not? Let's go for it. Like this episode embrace like a lot of comic book things i thought when i went you know if, if there was a story thing that i kind of brushed up against the more i thought about it i was like ah oh, that's just kind of comic book like actually i kind of dig it i suppose but i mean have we seen that many jail breaks in in the marvel universe like like former no, old villains getting out of prison i feel like... not not in that context but i just mean like it's it's very much like a marvel comic book you know the the way these guys have like a revolving door in these prisons basically yeah, I, I get that, but to me, it, it just went from, we're going to go talk to Zemo, to, hey, I helped break Zemo out of prison. Well, yeah, and we but we speculated that that, that was very likely going to be what happened in, in, in our last episode, where we're kind of predicting the future, so. Sure, I don't have a problem with it happening, I just thought they should have built to it a little more. No, hey, fair enough, but uh, again, there's a lot to get to in this episode, so they kind of had to be like... All right, we're springing Zemo. And I, and I kind of like the way the Bucky laid it out for Sam as like a hypothetical. It's like, hypothetically, if this were to happen and this were to happen, I enjoyed that introduction very, very much. Sure. Introduction of the episode, I should say. Um, but I, let's, let's, kind of, let's kind of pause on, on Sam and, 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 and Bucky and Zemo uh, because I, I, I want to talk about... I want to talk about uh, John Walker... And uh, Lamar Hoskins in this episode. This is this, this is what opens the episode. Uh, we open with uh, with a the global repatriate repatriation agency, right? The GPA I think council council GPC, and we, we open with an ad for them and what they're all about. Then we see the big van pull up with that logo on the side of it, and you know again reinforcing the fact that this this global repatriation council seems to have like a lot of power, a lot of sway. Uh, in this, you know, post-blip Marvel Marvel universe, uh, 
because apparently like they were the ones involved in, in choosing John as the new Captain America. He's basically an agent of theirs. You know, so it's almost like I almost wonder is this like some kind of some sort of weird uh like shadow government, you know, and, and is John sort of thinking he's doing the like the will of the American people, but he's a puppet for them? I, did you get any more like thoughts on on that as we sort of inter- were introduced to it more formally? Well, it does raise questions about John's relationship to the GPC and and how that works and and what exactly the the GPC is, like you were saying. But I mean, it could also easily be that you know the the American government works with the GPC, so. Yeah, they. I, I don't want to say like they, they get they, the American government is giving John Walker to the GPC on loan, but you know it's almost like when you know think of it as um, you know when U.S. forces go in somewhere with uh, uh, under like a UN type under a UN mission, mm-hmm. you know. So I was I was thinking of it kind of in that sense. But yeah, but it, it does raise the question of sort of, like you were saying, uh, Captain America's relationship to the GPC, who's really running Captain America. So so there are questions, but I was just speculating more of like, you know, just the GPC and and, uh, and the U.S. government are kind of are working together on this. Yeah, I mean, like how much of the, of the GPC is the American government? You know, that like we're still not clear on that. We're getting a little bit more information. This this episode provides a little bit more context for for what's going on with this this council at the very least, like what their sort of goal and mission is, and 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 why they're in conflict with the flag smashers. And and we'll t- we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, one of the reasons why I, d- I did think about the the GPC as this sort of shadow agency, this shadow government almost, is because that's actually very much in line with John Walker's comic book origins as sort of like a puppet of of. Um, a group that was attempting a coup, basically, of the U.S. government. Uh, okay. Uh, not in quite the same way, but like there, there, there's uh, like echoes of that of that origin for him, and so I, I definitely was thinking about that, and and uh, you know, I, I had to kind of <laughs> I had to kind of revisit my my John Walker history after my huge gaffe with Lamar Hoskins last week, <laughs> where right. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot he existed in comic books. Yeah, um, I mean, if the, if that's the history in the comic books, I would say it certainly seems they're they're going that direction with it. I'm also very curious. I mean, we didn't get a lot with with John and Lamar in this episode, but what was your take away takeaway from from uh, like John's attitude and 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 sort of the the way he's behaving uh, at the beginning here when they're doing that raid, and he wants he you know he's interrogating the, that 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 man that we saw in the last episode who was helping the flag smashers who was who was you know for lack of a, of a better term but like aiding and abetting them you know right. harboring them i guess is probably even the more better term the more the more better term which is just great english on my part yeah, um, more better more better more better butter <laughs> um <laughs> how did that play for you like like john you know, dropping everyone's favorite words. Uh, Do you know who I am? You know, how'd that resonate with you? That was terrible. It's it's sort of like I I I I dug it from a storytelling sense because it it sort of shows. I th- I think it sort of points to like the the the, the sort of uh, fatal flaw in 
in perhaps in John's character or, or, or in his perception of what Captain America means, but like sort of like this unearned respect. Like, if that were Steve Rogers, would that conversation have gone differently? Well, yes, it certainly would have. I I didn't like it from a story perspective because I I don't I I would like to see more of the pressure because I took it as kind of like the pressure of being Captain America getting to him and you know he's just kind of reaching his a, a breaking point as he comes up against more resistance and I felt like we should see a little more of that resistance. Oh no, I I, I totally agree with that. That that's kind of like the way the, the the train of thought that I was going with it as well. Because uh, because I do think we're going to see John sort of crack under the pressure of being Cap, and I I still sort of buy into the idea that he's going to try and inject himself with that super soldier serum at some point so that he can like in his mind be Captain America. You know, like, like yeah, like I mean, maybe he's going to start associating the fact that like he's not being respected because he's not powerful like the way Cap is, and then you get into like the classic metaphor of of, of, of you know power and, and and respect and all that stuff, you know, right. And and again, it's a classic metaphor for a reason, <laughs> you know. And, and right. then obviously the power of corruption. Yep. So I that, mean, that's kind of where my head's at with that. The guy spit in his face. So he, he sure did. Just just beat the shit out of him. Oh well, that seemed uncalled for. I mean, <laughs> I mean, technically that's assault. Well, I mean, again, it was also interesting to see that uh, you know Lamar was the one who was uh, kind of the the the, the, the rational. You know the rational one in, in the in the in the conversation where he's sort of explaining like the Robin Hood nature of what the flag smashers right. are doing. You know the and, and again sort of like that that glimpse into what's going on in this post blip world with the with the GPC and and displaced persons uh, that that are have been affected by the 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 reappearance of half the, the planet's population. Right. And you know I I'll, and just to kind of wrap up our our talk on Lamar and and John. I did think it was interesting when when they get to the prison later and they they sort of figure out that that Bucky and and, and Sam by association have sprung Zemo, um, and how they're gonna kind of ride on their coattails at this point. Like it seems like they're gonna try to figure out a way to, to like monitor them or, or kind of like I don't know use them to to get ahead basically. Like use J- Sam and Bucky are gonna do all the legwork and then. John and, and Lamar are going to swoop in and try to like, take the glory, I guess, is kind of what it seems like they want to do. Yeah. I mean, it seems like a a smart plan since, um, you know, like what uh, John and Lamar were, were talking about, which is that uh, Bucky and Sam, you know, they they have a better sort of deck of cards that, that they're working with. Right. So, Right now, they're just kind of going to go along with it because they're trying to figure out, they're trying to solve the same case, essentially, but they have less to work with, so. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny because it, it puts, like, their, their their last conversation in episode two in kind of a different context. When, when Sam tells uh, John and Lamar that they can't work together because they're too regulated and, and Sam and Bucky are free agents and kind of do their own thing. Like, you kind of should have known what was coming if you're John and Lamar, right? Like, like oh, these guys are going to go, like, way off the reservation with whatever they're up to. They probably should have been titling them from the beginning, <laughs> like, if they really wanted to be ahead of this. If they were smart, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I don't know if they just banked on, like, oh, we got this lead that they were, that the Flag Smashers were headquartered here with this guy for, for a night. 
and he'll crack and tell us everything. They put a lot of eggs in that basket that did not pan out. Yeah. Uh, with that being said, I do want to transition and talk about the Flag Smashers and 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 uh, Carly Morgenthau uh, because we got a lot more information about them in this episode, uh, particularly Carly and and what's going on with her and her motivations and uh, her mother and and how they were uh, after the displaced people came out, they were put out on the streets, and I mean. I, I find it such an interesting look at this, again, this post-blip Marvel world that we live in. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I love it when you make when you can make me empathize with, with the quote-unquote bad guys. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's one of those... I think that will end up being one of the really good, great strengths of this show is these, these bad guys, quote-unquote bad guys, who have motives that we can, we can completely understand as a, as a normal, rational human being. Right. If, if they do, in fact, turn out to be the bad guys. Right, exactly. It, I mean, they did blow up that building and kill some people, so Carly has kind of drawn her line in the sand. Yeah, she's, yeah, like at the end of the episode, she takes it too far. Right, but I mean, but you're also, you, you get a look at this the, these uh, these GPC uh, 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 camps, for again, for lack of a better word, uh, where they're, they're, they're kind of like stockpiling food, they're, they're just kind of they're, they're treating people very badly. Right. You know, it's, it's it, borderlining. I would imagine they're trying to convey this very like inhumane conditions because of what happened to her mom, uh, dying of tuberculosis. Right. You know, because of the conditions of the camps. Uh, I, I, I found it all very compelling. I really liked it. And I, I think that actress is just straight up killing it. Uh, she's okay. I think Aaron Kellyman is doing a great job. But, um, I, I guess to me, at this point, it just seems like, yeah, the GPC are the bad guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to pull any punches on that. Well, yeah, so, but I mean, that, you know, right now, that's not a very empathetic villain. Well, I, again, we still have a lot in play here. You know, we have this power broker situation. Zemo's now kind of running around doing things. Like there's more gonna there's gonna be more going on here and and and, and I'm very intrigued uh, by by all the different uh, um, players on the board and how they're gonna interact with one another and and you know I, the, the 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 curtain is kind of slowly expanding on how big the stage is and I, I'm sort of digging that vibe that that view that we're getting from it thus yeah. far it's been really I I really like the way the show has sort of slowly expanded this world it, it's really been great and. Again, I, I'm going to preach it again, but I, I love seeing Marvel in this long-form storytelling where they can finally like let these characters breathe a bit and do more than mm-hmm. they can in, a, in like a compact two, two-and-a-half-hour movie. Right. It's just, it's just so much more interesting to me. Don't get me wrong. I love the movies, but you, you know those, those movies are, are based so much more around you know, big action set pieces and things like that. I like the development. I really enjoy the character development. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, since since you're a wealth of insight on that, <laughs> I'm, oh, no, I don't like character development. What am I supposed to say? I don't know. I thought you might talk more about the 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 nature of the tentpole movies and how you hate them. I mean, I like them if they're good. <laughs> you know. All right, let's transition because I the, the, I, I I this is the, the thing I. I wanted to gush about this from the moment I turned the recorder on and had you on the line. I can't even begin to tell you how 
fucking excited I was that we spent the majority of this episode in Madripoor. In Madripoor! Why did that make you so excited? Are you kidding me? Thanks, thanks your neighbors, the fire trucks, for <laughs> the dramatic tension there. <laughs> I mean, that's it's just... We have spent so much time in, in, in the Marvel Universe in real places. You know, in New York or Los Angeles or, you know, places that we understand. Right. Going to Badgerpore, you know, Mar- the Marvel comic book universe is is not like the DC universe. It is not populated with made-up places. You know, it is, right. not, it is not populated with, with Gotham's and Keystone's and and, and Starling City, Star Cities and, and, you know, all that stuff. All right? Like, the Marvel Universe is very... Is, is very much a mirror because we understand the ge- geography so much better or so much well so much better because it's like ours Madripoor is one of those few places in the in the Marvel comic book universe that is completely made up it is right. it is so entrenched in so many pieces of, of Marvel comic book lore uh, particularly with Wolverine and I could okay. not help but flash back to like one of my all time favorite comics from when we were when we were kids and even to this day Uncanny X-Men uh, 268 with that amazing Jim Lee cover of Cap, Wolverine, and Black Widow in Madripoor. Okay, I don't remember. Uh, yeah, I have the issue. I don't remember it taking place in, in Madripoor, though. Oh, it's so good. It's so great. I mean, you open it's a that, good issue. You open up that cover, and it's like one of the most striking uh, Captain America images you'll ever see drawn by Jim Lee. And and I, 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 again, I just I kind of got like the goosebumpies all over me when I was like, oh my god, we're in Madripoor. Oh my god, we're in Madripoor. It was just so comic book that I loved it so so much. But yeah, obviously, you did I not mean, have the I, same quite the same reaction I did. <laughs> I mean, I, I liked the look of the city, but I I forgot Madripoor even existed in in the Marvel universe. So it was just kind of like, okay, we're we're in this this pirate city. Yeah, I mean, and that's always been like the fun part. And then you get, you go to like the cool bars. Uh, I think the Bronze Monkey bars from the comics too. So a, a, okay. a couple of more nods to the comics and, and some of the. Uh, unsavory type of characters that that have passed through Madripoor in in uh, many many years. I can't remember the last time. I, I'm not as as plugged into the Marvel universe as I used to be, obviously with with comic books. So I can't remember the last time I read a comic that took place in Madripoor. But ooh, it, for a long time that was like a really popular setting, especially for like Wolverine to go into in his like unsavory days. And right, I think you just. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. No, wait, maybe not. I, I was gonna say, isn't that where he developed his patch identity? From like the first issues, of the oh, I could I couldn't tell you. Oh. That's way too long ago. I was hoping you would tell you could tell me. Maybe I should have googled it before we did the show. Probably. <laughs> Anyways, I, I did... didn't I didn't think we were going to be talking about Wolverine today. <laughs> it's hard for me not to to associate Madripoor with Wolverine and even the X Men. I mean, a lot of great X Men stories take place around there. Chris, Claren- I think Claremont is the one who kind of made that place up. Okay. So it, 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 you know, there's a, there's a, a probably a big chunk of him. In, in the development of Madripoor overall. So, you know, whatever. But I just, I, again, I just loved seeing it there. I loved that we were set there. I loved that that is sort of like this this rogue pirate nation. And, of course, that totally makes sense. That That is where some uh, scientist who was blipped out is now hiding, making the super soldier serum. I was like, oh, my God, this makes so much fucking sense in the context of the Marvel Universe, including right. like, comic book and cinematic. I was like, oh, my God, this is great. I love this. It was good. <laughs> love it. Lo- 
Well, let's okay. So let's talk about it. Like, what were some of your favorite aspects of of, of the Zemo, Bucky, Sam team up in Madripoor? Obviously, we have the encounter with with Sharon Carter, Agent Thirteen herself, still on the lam. Basically, uh, apparently, Cap and, and and Sam did not do her any favors before before the Avengers Endgame took place. <laughs> and she is still on couple the couple of jerks. Couple of jerks, right? I was like, how did Sam or how did Sam and Cap both like kind of like leave her hanging out to dry? I was gonna say, see people, see Captain America, not that good a dude. Uh, yeah, okay. Listen, a, a lot happens. <laughs> a lot happens. The events of Infinity War. Remember, Cap is on the run. Sam is on the run at the beginning of Infinity War. It's just you know, and maybe Sharon was blipped out for those five years. Who knows? He had all that time, literally a time machine. <laughs> he could have done anything. No, I'm just going to go back to the 1950s and live with my old girlfriend. Well, I mean, he did have to return those Infinity Stones, right? Well, yeah, exactly. You would think he could make some time. Make some time to make some time? Exactly. Sure. <laughs> How dare you besmirch the name of Steve Rogers? The putts. Oh, you! You're lucky you're in another city. <laughs> them's them's fighting words right there. I don't know. If I had cap shield, I'd throw it right in your face. Hit you right in the teeth with it. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Did you enjoy when they go to the the, the bronze monkey? Did you enjoy uh, uh, Sam having to pretend to be the the smiling tiger and 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 Buck having to be Winter Soldier again? Um, yeah, I, I liked it all. Um, I liked Zemo kind of being the leader of that threesome. And, and wearing that pimp coat. Uh, he looked good in that coat. I, Come on. <laughs> he did, but, you know, I, 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 I thought he just looked good in it. And I, I liked it because he said, because Sam even says he looks like a pimp. And then, uh, you know, Zemo said only someone... Only an American would think that <laughs> right. an African American, a fashion forward African American, looks like a pimp. I thought that was hilarious. And, that was so funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I liked that. Um, yeah, he just he looked sharp in in that suit, and, um, and I thought Zemo looked sharp in his uh, his puffy collar, Bane esque trench coat. Okay, Zemo had um, a, Zemo had that look first. Okay. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, he always kind of um, had like that. That he always kind of had like this. Uh, this like fuzzy, fluff, uh, fluffy, high collar thing. It wasn't like a jacket, but it was always on like on the, his suit or like his re- uniform that way. Yeah, I remember the collar. I don't remember it being puffy, but okay, yeah, I I'll, do I'll, remember the collar. I'll post but, a pic later. Don't worry. All right, but but yeah, no, I I I enjoyed the dynamic there. Again, though, I you know I think they just lean a little too much into the humor because. I just think almost right from the beginning, people would know that Sam is not the smiling tiger guy. Yeah, I think I actually think they knew fairly quickly, though. I did think it was really funny with the the, the, the drink scene, and then when they pull that snake yeah. out and they put the bits in it there, <laughs> and obviously Sam's reluctance to drink the drink, <laughs> like that. Yeah, that was good humor. I thought. <laughs> I, the the reluctance to, to, to drink the drink, I, I think it's fine. I, I think they did a good enough job of showing him trying to play it off as like he's just, uh, he's like enjoying the smell of it and all of that. But it's when he gives the thumbs up at the end. I was like, no, you're, you're, <laughs> the jig is up. That, <laughs> like, well, that's exactly what I said too. I was like, oh, clearly this guy's got to know that like 
this is not on the up and up. <laughs> right. I mean, that look the bartender's giving him the entire time is, you know, pretty hilarious. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, I enjoyed that so much. Um, and I, I, and, and I, liked, um, I liked playing a little bit with the idea of Bucky kind of falling back into his Winter Soldier persona. Yeah, it, and, and Zemo makes a comment about that that I thought was really interesting, too, like how easy it was for him to go back to that. And right. And and not just with with ease, but you know, I I also felt that when Buck was doing that, like he was really like getting some anger and some frustration out at the same time. Like he was brutalizing those guys, like probably way more than he had to. Well, I had the the realization of yeah, I like him a lot more as Winter Soldier. <laughs> so, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> You know that's a, that's an interesting uh, moment when when Bucky's first going into the cell back when when Zemo's still incarcerated, uh, and and Zemo starts saying the words, and just seeing that that sort of interplay between them, I I, I did really really like that. And I, I thought it was kind of very Zemo to, to like, give it a try just in case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, let me let me backtrack a little bit with Zemo here because, again, if if I were to have like one little tiny critique is like. Is is that things in this episode move insanely fast, uh, and 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 Zemo, who a man who was incarcerated for at least some time, I, we don't exactly know. Like maybe he blipped out, so part of his sentence was 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 missed. You know, we don't know. Or and then he blipped back into his prison. We don't know. They haven't really explored that yet. Uh, but he was able to like kind of like rally his uh his forces really really quickly and get that airplane ready to go. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I thought that was but... really funny though. Yeah, I you know I I've, I felt like there there was certainly you know some passage of time there though when when he gets to the garage where where Sam and and Bucky are and you know I I think it was just between scenes that he was able to to contact these people and there were obviously people that were close to him and and I appreciated the 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 line where Sam says you were rich this whole time and he says well I am a Baron yeah exactly I I enjoyed that too I thought that was like really there was some really funny stuff uh, well funny kind of like dark humor in a way like you know how he was royalty before uh, you know before they destroyed his country and stuff like that right I I did like some of those jabs and and um, I also enjoyed the callback because obviously it sets up what happens at the end of the episode but I I like the I like being reminded that Zemo blew up the UN. Zemo killed King T'Chaka, you know. I yeah. I, I thought the way they inserted that was 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 pretty well handled, uh, for setting the stage for what we were going to get to at the at the very end of the episode, um, because I think people are excited to see Zemo, but you do have to remember like the man is a villain, <laughs> the man has done yeah. bad things. <laughs> they yes. were, they were things we understood because again like Marvel did a great job giving him very human motivations, but. Yeah, he is still the bad guy. <laughs> Just a reminder. Right. He, he did blow yeah. up some stuff. He did. He did. He sure, sure did. <laughs> oh, man. What did you think about... Uh, I know we talked about a little bit about Sharon, but but after they persuade Sharon to help help them, and, and, and Sharon's got like this, this... Sharon basically rescues them, right? <laughs> I, yes. Did, yeah. you, did you sort of enjoy like the, that John Wick moment as much as I did where they're walking through the streets of Madripoor and as every bounty hunter's phone's going off? Uh, I have I enjoyed that moment. I have not seen John Wick, any of them. Oh, how dare you? So I didn't know that was a John Wick moment. But 
yeah, I mean, you know, it was fun. Yeah, was well, little action adventure. There's so there's a lot of really good action, uh, like 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 hand to hand combat kind of stuff in this episode. That I really enjoyed. Plus, it's very shooty, which yeah. is fun too. Yeah, I was uh, one of the things I I thought the action scenes in this episode were were much better in the first two, and I think it's because it was much more ground level. It was much more, I, I guess, within their budget, where you know it's gunfights and it's hand to hand combat, and so it it has more of a a realistic feeling to it. Whereas in the first two episodes, you know, it's very much enhanced by CG. So yeah, so I thought yeah. the action here was better. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're dead dead on about that. It's and and again, like we said, Aaron, so Agent Carter uh, swoops in, saves the day, takes them up to uh, was it the High City? I think they call it. And and yeah, you know, she has uh, apparently Carter doing quite well for herself as some kind of smooth operator. But we'll talk more about that later because there's clearly more going on with Carter than we've been led to believe so far. Okay. Um. But this sets this sets the stage for for finding the, the the scientist Nagel, who is the one developing the super soldier serum there in Majapur for the power broker that Carly Morgenthau has stolen for her her flag smasher group. Right. Um, the action sequence at the container facility with with Sharon just wailing on those dudes. I thought it was really well done. And I, I don't want to talk so much. No, about I, th- I thought it was really good. Yeah, I, I love seeing her whip so much ass. I thought it was really, really great. But the scenes with Nagel between Sam and Bucky and, and Zemo in there, I thought there was a lot of interesting information in there about how Nagel was affected by the blip, how it got him to Madripoor, and, and all these things. But the interesting part about Nagel is actually... Now, I don't know how they're going to connect this in... Or if they will connect this in the show... But in the comic books, Nagel is an actual scientist who worked under Dr. Erskine and okay. was the one who experimented on the African-American soldiers, Isaiah Bradley, okay. basically. Uh, in the, in the right. comic book story, it's, it's, they tested on 300 African-American soldiers before one of them works. Okay. And I believe the others all died. So not a good man. And I'm, I'm curious if they will ex- ex- examine that uh, legacy of, N- of Nagel's anymore or not. But uh, interesting to bring that name into the, into the show, I thought, from a comic book perspective. Sure. It. I mean, it seems like they're they're taking liberties with it. It. it you know, it, because it sounds like he just worked with samples from Isaiah Bradley. Yes, exactly. But I, I did like the way that, you know, you had the comic book origin come of a connection is the right. one way but they I love that that's probably one of the best ways of the best things about the Marvel Cinematic Universe overall is the way it sort of works its magic it's they they, they sort of reshape things that they make sense and have they it's one way in the comics but they make it work in the in the in a whole new way in the movies or in the shows now but it pays so much homage and, and respect to the source material I really like the way they're able to do that. Yeah, no disagreement there. I think that's always been one of their strong suits. Yeah, so I mean, you know, again, you don't have to have read the Truth miniseries to know, like, Nagel's connections to Isaiah Bradley. It's just interesting to me to know that they're there and that they're still sort of honoring that to an extent. Right. But I, I liked how it clearly clicked with Sam that he was working off Isaiah's samples. 
Yeah. And 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 I I sort of again we don't see Isaiah in this episode. We don't go back to Baltimore and and meet up with with uh, with Carl Lumley at all. Which but it, it it sort of is interesting how his presence is sort of felt in this episode still. And, yeah. I, and the the way he sort of affects Sam in the, in that regards, and and I don't know. There's there's so much interesting stuff. Like like I don't know the best way to say this, but Sam's in such a weird, interesting emotional state with all this information he's finding out, and like sort of like, the, like it feels like the curtains are kind of being pulled back from him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like he was in the know with Cap, but there's so much more he didn't know, and then maybe Cap didn't know I, at the same time. So it, it's all very oh. very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I get the impression Steve Rogers didn't know either. Yeah, and, you know, again, I'm very uh, interested in... in I, I think Isaiah's going to loom large for Sam and his decision to be, to become Captain America moving forward. They, you know, they sort of talk about that a little bit in this episode. You know, Sam's decision to throw away the shield and, and, and that stuff. And I thought that was really interesting, powerful stuff, too. Mm-hmm. I, again, I, I just really, really liked this episode. I thought it was insanely strong. Yeah, I like I liked it. I thought it was so far the best episode of the series. Um, I'm trying to think what else I want to get to before we get to like the sort of like the conclusion. Um, what did you think of Zemo's decision to to shoot Nagel? Great. <laughs> there's yeah, there's sort of this interesting um, again. Zemo, a bad guy, <laughs> but there's sort of this interesting pragmatism about him that I actually really enjoy in this episode, mm-hmm. uh, you know, realizing that Zemo got his own plans here. Like he doesn't want anyone else to have a super soldier serum. So they get the information they need. And once he decided that they, that no more useful information is coming out of Nagel, it's over. <laughs> Just bam. Yeah. And I can sort of, I can sort of respect that sort of, uh, uh, just cold again, pragmatism about him. <laughs> what do you think? Zima's ultimate goal here is. Mm, that's a good question. I haven't, I haven't put too much thought into that. I was just kind of going along with it. Um, I mean, is he just like waiting, like biding his time for his opportunity to either break away from them or to potentially betray them? Because obviously, like Zemo has a lot of connections to this criminal underworld, especially when they get to Madripoor. And he knows like all these power players, including well, he he knows of the power broker, but he seems to have connections to this underworld scene. So there's a lot more to Zemo than we've maybe been led to believe, as far as that goes. Right. Um, I mean, I think he'll he's definitely going to betray them at some point because he dislikes Avengers as much as he dislikes super soldiers. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's it's only a matter of time. As far as an end goal, um, you know, maybe maybe he wants to eliminate the the what is it the the GPC um, uh, GRC GRC, uh, or maybe he wants to take control of the Flag Smashers, or maybe he himself wants to become the power broker. Yeah, I think that's the thing I kind of keep going back to is, is that at some point he's going to try and get Carly Morgenthau on his side um, and either kind of, you know, sort of be, I don't know if in control of the Flag Smashers is the way I want to put it necessarily, but perhaps be the one who's in control of 
the unused serum serums that they have. Right. You know, because I don't, I don't know if we have an exact number of of flax smashers that there are, but it's a much smaller group. So there have to be at least, I don't know, ten more samples not used, or unless you think the group's bigger than I than I am led to believe. Yeah. So there were what eight. I think they said in episode two when they took them on on the on the on the trucks. That's, that's kind of what I thought as well. That's, uh, that's right around the number I was thinking of. Yeah, so that would mean that there's twelve more serums out there. Maybe they've been taken by others that we just haven't seen, or, or um, you know, and maybe unsuccessfully too. Like maybe they've maybe some people have not survived the process. It, it sounded like it was rather painful for the ones who right. had taken it and survived. Right. But I also thought that Nagel, that's the guy's name, right? I Nagel. So. Yes. Yeah. That I also thought he was lying when he said that there was no, there were no more serums in the uh, in the trailer with him. For one thing, they kept focusing on that shot of those uh, test tubes falling over well, uh, I mean, when they the place all, they, was burning. They did all blow up, so. I don't, no, the, the, there was a shot of like some test tubes. They were they were capped. They weren't broken. Yeah, but then they shot a rocket there. launcher into the place. But this was after the rocket launcher. Like oh. everything was on fire. And I wondered. Part of me wondered if Zemo took something from there. And I wonder. I I I don't know. I even considered the possibility of like, would he like, would he himself take one, thinking that almost like John Walker, you know, he needs to kind of in, in order to implement his will, he needs to kind of, he, he needs to, to back himself up with, with, with being more powerful. Maybe he's against super soldiers, but he thinks if anyone's going to be one, it should be him kind of thing. I, I was considering that possibility as well. I, I think it's a possibility. I, I obviously I don't, I would not rule it out as, as something that could happen. I, I guess I just sort of always have, have, have thought of Zemo, and particularly this version of Zemo, as more of like the devil on your shoulder, who gets you right. to do the bad things that end up aiding and, and helping whatever cause he has at the time. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely feel like he's more of the. Again, I don't want to say puppet master necessarily because we haven't. He's a great at getting people to act against their own best interests, but I feel like puppet master is still not the right word. Do you think so? I mean, manipulator. Okay. I think. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess I guess I don't like puppet master because it's kind of a, it's kind of become like a, a cliche terminology. Um, but yeah, getting people to kind of like go against their own self interest in, in in an effort to aid him, unbeknowingly, is is kind of right. like his strength. So yeah. you know whether he does that with Carly or you know again perhaps even with John Walker. I mean, who's to say? Right, like, because obviously, I you know again, uh, John and 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 uh, Lamar by extension are are on a collision course with Sam and Buck. Like it's just gonna, it's right. gonna happen. Like they're just gonna fight. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. gonna come down to a battle for the shield. And and my my assumption is still gonna be that like, and uh, again, I think we have good indications from this episode that 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 John out of out of out of frustration at not being an effective Captain America will take the super soldier serum mistaking uh the power that it grants him as the power that he needs to exert exert his will on everyone and then obviously the power that you know the corruption that comes within yeah. from it 
Yeah, I mean, it's understandable, though, because, I mean, you know, do we think that Steve Rogers, Captain America, would have been would have been that meaningful to people if he if he didn't have the super soldier serum and, and wasn't able to fight as effectively for for everyone, you know? Yeah, I know. I, I definitely agree. It's it, And I think it's going to, you know, it's it's. The the thing that's been coming back to me the more the more that I think about this episode and and the scenes with John in particular are is is the scene be, between between Steve and Doctor Erskine uh, the night before the the experiment when he, when Doctor Erskine is 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 talking to Steve about about being a good man and and not being a bully and uh, you know giving power to someone who has like the nature of a bully and I'm I'm. I'm curious if that's what we're going to find out that that John really is, and maybe we sort of have, uh, like like a Hallmark card version of John's origin, and maybe it's a lot more dark than we think it is. You know, maybe maybe sure. he's had like like a little PR spin on some of his history. Yeah, entirely possible. So I, I I'm I'm very curious about that, but like yeah, I I've I I've been able I've not been able to stop thinking about that scene. And, 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 and Erskine pointing to Steve and just telling him that he's the good man and that's why he's the one who should have the serum. Right. And I, again, I think that I I may just have to even pull that clip up and insert it into the show at some point because I, I think it's going to be, throughout the series, it's going to resonate and that's why maybe Sam ends up with the super soldier serum. Who knows? Like, you think they would go that far? I mean, I've definitely considered it. I, you know, I don't, I don't know though. Um, like I said, I, I've considered it. I don't know if they did it. I don't know how I would, what or what I would think about it. Yeah, I, I think the only thing I, the the only theory I kind of have uh, put towards with that idea is that he would have to take it to stop Walker, who's power can who's power mad on it. And it's just, you, sure. know, you know, kind of like a, in like a roid rage, basically. Right. That's sort of my thought on why he would have to do it, because like power-wise, he, he won't stand a chance. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, like, I just mean it, in ter- although, I mean, I guess I don't really know, because I'm thinking about it in terms of the comics. I, I don't think Sam took the super soldier serum, but I, again, I didn't read that run of Captain America. You did. So maybe you can tell me. Actually, I don't know Sam's run on cap as well as I probably should. Um, oh, okay. Sam, I mean, Sam's just always been a superhero and I, I, I mean, the comics are so different. I don't, I don't necessarily want to go there. And they're obviously in, in these shows, they're obviously kind of make a, trying to make a comparison between the, the super soldiers and regular humans and you know right. where is you know where's the where's the best example of humanity? Where's the best example of being a good person? You know, can a super soldier be trusted with these powers? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and again and again, I, I go back to Isaiah Bradley's character, who is a character who is cursed from these powers, who's still been persecuted and, and still been uh, 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 walked on and treated like garbage, despite having these powers. Mm-hmm. And again, I think these are all things that 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 Sam's gonna be forced to confront. And I I think Sam has a conversation with Isaiah at some point, either at the tail end of episode five or at the tail at the beginning of episode six, going into it, because he's gonna have to. Sam's gonna make a couple of really big decisions, uh, and I th- I, th- I think we're gonna find 
Sam and Buck in really bad in a really bad situation by the end of episode four next week. I would think so, just structurally speaking. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that makes the most sense, right? <laughs> yeah, but you know, you put you get you kind of got to put the good guys in peril, or it's a boring effing TV show, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's it's it, it's really compelling stuff. I, I'm really intrigued by all of it because. Again, I can see the I can see the plus and minuses of, of both sides of it. You know, preserving your own humanity and being the best you that you can be without the aid of of of, of, of you know a magic drink, basically. Right. Or or can you be like Steve and not be corrupted by the power that you're given with the super soldier serum? And then I mean, the, obviously I mean, the responsibility that comes with it. Right. Because that's very Marvel. I certainly. <laughs> What? That's very Marvel, the, the the power and responsibility thing. So, right. <laughs> I certainly think there's other people capable of being good men with a super soldier serum. Oh, I think other so than too. Steve and I, well, and I think Sam has to figure out if he's that man or not. Right. And I I think that's that's sort of like what this show is going to kind of come down to. And and I'm really enjoying the 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 ride that we're on. And uh, you know, again, this is a very action packed episode. But Anthony Mackie, I think, is doing such a wonderful job uh, conveying his his kind of like conflicted emotions about so much of this stuff, and uh, you know, so much of these things that he's learning and, and figuring out. Uh, I, I I'm really enjoying watching his performance in this. It's it's so much more uh, evolved and, and, and three dimensional than other Sams. Who Sam's been great in everything, but he's he's a much more uh, fully realized character in this show, and I love it. Yeah, he's doing a good job, I think, um, conveying all those emotions and, and portraying the character in this. And, and the character is being written well. But, uh, you know, I mean, a part of me just agrees with Bucky. You shouldn't have given away the shield, you idiot. Well, and I think he's, yeah, of course, and I think Bucky, or I think Sam's going to realize that Bucky's right. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I shouldn't have done this. <laughs> Right. I mean, I think he even makes a, 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 a comment about that in this episode about, like, you know, yeah, maybe I should have given it to a museum or something. I think, I haven't watched the episode a second time yet. I've been meaning to, but, you know, time is right. a problem sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's just a really solid episode. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I, I mean, I guess we need to hit on what, what we get at the last moments of the episode. Uh, they get to, like, what, like Lithuania, Latvia, something like that? And I think uh, it's in Latvia. And, uh, um, Bucky, being the the Winter Soldier, being uh, trained in, in spycraft, uh, starts noticing things that no one else is noticing. So he sends Zemo and and Sam ahead to go to you know whatever room they're going to or, or location they're going to, and he, he tells him he's going to go for a walk, which to me is a super lame excuse, but whatever. And he's he's finding these uh, I can only assume vibranium little balls, little tiles with etchings on them. Sure. And, yeah. And we we eventually meet up with. Uh, oh, what was I? Oh, I just drew a blank on her name. I think it's Ao, of the uh, of the uh, Dora Milaje. From Wakanda. Because hey now, Zemo, Wakanda notices what Zemo's up to, and they're still right. mad. So now Wakanda comes into the, into the fray, which I I would have been really upset. I think I would have been really upset if if this episode or, or if this show were were to play out. With Zemo running around doing all these things, and and Wakanda does not have some sort of response to Zemo running around free. 
Yeah, I mean, it it makes sense. I, I I didn't even think about it watching watching the episode, but you know, then when it gets to the end, I was like, oh yeah, you know. I well, guess they, they should be involved in this. Yeah, well, and like I said, I, I thought they did a, a very clever job of, of reminding us of Zemo's crimes against Wakanda and killing King T'Chaka right. with the bombing of the UN. And again, it's, it's just kind of in there as a line, but then it, it circles back around at the end, and you're like, oh, yeah, he killed T'Chaka, and they, they notice he is not in jail anymore. So right. I, I really, really like that. I, I like that Wakanda's in the fray. You know, we got a reference uh, in episode two to, uh, to Bucky being uh, the White Wolf. Right and and Bucky, uh, I, I it might have been in episode two, but it, it may have been in one, where he talks about finding like those those few moments of peace in his life since not being the Winter Soldier in Wakanda. So, I mean, Wakanda has a connection to a lot of the events unfolding in the show. Well, not necessarily the events, but the characters on this show between Bucky and Zemo, and obviously Sam's been there at least, so he knows what's up. Right. So I'm I'm really interested in seeing what what Ayo does. Uh, the Dora Milaje are badasses, <laughs> so. Right. Obviously, they will have some kind of confrontation with Zemo, and it's gonna be dope. Um, I'm curious. Did um, did Chadwick Boseman shoot anything else as as, as Black Panther before he he passed away? I'm not to my knowledge. He... No, not to my no? knowledge. No. Okay. So I don't I don't think we're gonna get like a secret Boseman cameo. Right. Um. And in, in, mm. unless they were to do like some kind of digital trickery but I, I think Kevin Feige's come out and said they're not going to do that sort of thing with, with, with Chadwick yeah I think I think that's that's the right decision um, so uh, I mean yeah that, I mean that's unfortunate because you would think it, um, that Black Panther himself would want to be involved with this but you know unfortunately circumstances being what they are they they, they couldn't do it. No, obviously that. Yeah, that, that. I mean, that that could have been that could have been something in the cards initially when they were when they were scripting this out, um, but obviously real life interceded and and you know now you're like, what would you just do? Like, you just have like Black Panther running around with helmet on all the entire time. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, yeah, that that really wouldn't play because like Sam yeah. and 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 Bucky, they they know T'Challa. It, it, it would have been great, but. It was not meant to be, obviously. So we're, we're, we know we, we do a little audible. We bring the door melage. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Though it, it does, it you do raise an interesting question here because we still don't know what they're gonna do with Black Panther two, and and T'Challa in that in that reign and how that's gonna play out. But that's that is a, a something we'll we'll deal with later on. I'm you know, obviously it, obviously it's it's not you know. Chadwick didn't pass away that long ago, so it, it, it's still fairly fresh. I don't think they're going to be in any hurry to, to make a decision about what they're doing with with uh, Black Panther two. Yeah, no, it seems like they're rightfully so taking taking their time to to figure it out. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, uh, gosh, I mean, I don't know, like a great way to end this episode. I, I loved it so much. Um, and uh, we didn't talk about it, but but after sending Zemo. Sam and Bucky off on 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 their way. Uh, we find out that that Sharon Carter's got some other things going on too, and mm-hmm. whether she's working for the. Do you think she's working for the power broker? Like, what do you think maybe is going on there? Obviously, you know Sam promised to get her name clear so she could go back to the states. But do you think that's a viable thing? Yeah. Do you, so? Do you think that's a viable plan, or or it, 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 to me, it sort of seemed like Sharon has her own plans at this point. What do you think? 
I mean, she could definitely have her own plans. My whole thing, but my big question about that was, I just wondered if that was something Sam would, would even be able to do. It almost seemed like an, an empty promise. It sort of did, um, and I think Sharon sort of views it that way too. Right. Um, as far as who it is she's working for, I didn't think I, I didn't consider the the power broker, but I was wondering if she, if she was somehow involved with the with the GRC, and and that this is part of um, Walker and Hoskins following uh sam and 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 bucky that's very interesting that's a very interesting thought mark i like that quite a bit actually that maybe maybe they maybe they got ahead of things cut a deal with her and she knows they actually have some kind of power to make things happen Uh, that's interesting i like that i i also sort of like this 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 sharon that's a little bit more um I don't know. Like, I don't know if desperate is the right word, but just, you know, I don't know, more uh, more, more of a, a rogue than, than the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent we met in uh, in Winter Soldier. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I've, I never really cared for her character in, in the movies. Um, this was the first time she actually seemed like the Sharon Carter from the comic books, at least the ones that, that I had read. So. Yeah. So yeah, I no, it. no, I agree. I've always liked uh, Emily Van Camp as the character, but they ne- they didn't never gave her too much to do, um, mm-hmm. which I was I, that was always sort of the, I mean, I, I I love those Captain America movies so so very very much, but that was always sort of like the one thing that like they didn't quite get right what was 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 Sharon's role, um, right? And so I'm, I'm kind of glad to see that get rectified a little bit and and sort of like we explore that that survivalist nature that she has as a comic book character she had that and now we yeah. sort of get to see that here in 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 the in the in the cinematic universe so yeah mm. i'm i'm digging that too i'm really digging it that uh, like i said a lot happens in this episode you know we get more players on the board uh the the the, the world kind of expands more uh, i love that we got the motivations we get, we got to see some kind of behind the curtains with 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 carly and and her mom and her mom's passing, and, and how that's kind of driven her. And her mom passing seems to be what triggered her to uh, step up and, and start, well, step up and, and or ramp up her uh, activities. And, uh, cross the line. Cross the line. Robin Hood to murderer. Sheriff of Nottingham, maybe. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> if you want to stick with the Sherwood references. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I love where this show's going. Again, we only have three episodes left, but it's it's uh, very very exciting stuff, man. I'm I'm so stoked. Yeah. And any closing thoughts before we wrap it up? Did I miss anything? Um, I just wanted to say I didn't like that Zemo already had a mask. I wanted to see him make his mask. I wanted it to be a little more meaningful and impactful. But it was just like an old mask laying in an old car. Yeah, you know, I was, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. I was a little confused about that too. I was like, so it's just a, a, a like a family heirloom from a car, but like, why? What's the point? I, there, right. I, I, I definitely had questions, and he only wore it the one time. In which, don't yeah. get me wrong, I loved it when he wore it. It was great. <laughs> it was great, but, but, uh, um, yeah, I was, I was a little confused about it. I, I I'm hoping that, uh, in future episodes, that we, we get a little more clarity onto its, its importance to his family or to him 
you know, or, or you know, whatever. Uh, uh, I'm I'm very intrigued by by what it all could mean if they if they choose to explore it further, or yeah. or if it was just ends up going to be like a fan service thing, and they're like, oh no, we just put them in a purple mask to make people happy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah, probably. I think that's probably probably going to be what it is. Well, if it is, I'll you know like, we'll call them out for it, but I, I still like seeing them in it, so I'll, I'll be okay with it. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I don't care. I want him to wear the, the purple mask. Yeah, I mean he he doesn't he doesn't have to be horribly disfigured to wear the purple mask. I mean I'm I'm okay with him just rocking it whenever he wants to be a badass. Yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, I, I guess we 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 didn't really give enough enough credit. I I really liked Daniel Brühl's performance, by the way. Like he's kind of subtle in a lot of his scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I thought he brought like the right mix to that sort of uh, Riggs and Murtaugh dynamic that Sam and Bucky have going on. He brought a real Joe Pesciness to no, it. No, how dare you? I was, <laughs> I was just going to say he's no Joe Pesci as Leo gets, but you know what? Who who is Mark? Who is right? 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 <laughs> no, no I, I thought he was very good. Um, at first, he kind of brushed up against me just a little bit. I thought, I thought maybe he was leaning a, a little too much into the the like quiet, raspy voice, but. But I overall, I I really liked it. I really liked him, and uh, I think he I think he makes a, a compelling argument. Yeah, for I, super soldiers. I think he's gonna be a very. Uh, um, I think he's playing Zemo like super subtle right now, but you see uh, kind of these flashes of the sort of brilliant mind that he has, like the, the tactical mind that he has. You know, the way he sort of like can take charge when he needs to, or when he right. wants to. Uh, you know, he, he's willing to sort of be uh, sort of subservient in an extent to Bucky and, and Sam because right now it serves his purposes. But again, you, you kind of see those flashes from him of, of like, when this guy wants to turn the fucking screw, he's going to. Right. And I, I, yeah, I'm digging that. I'm digging that vibe he's giving off. I can't wait to see what they do. Uh, again, we're halfway through this, this series, and I feel like there's still so much to get to. I, I, I can't wait to see what they do next and, and how they kind of keep ramping it all up. Yeah, I agreed. All right, man. Uh, I'm trying to think if we have anything else. I'm glad you brought the mask up. Thank you for doing that, by the way. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I have anything else. Yeah, I don't think I do either. All right, <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Let's wrap it up and get out of here. Mark, thanks for hanging out today and chatting with me about episode three of Falcon and Winter Soldier, Power Broker, who we still haven't met, but we will soon. I can only imagine. Unless it turns out to be Zemo in the first place, in oh, which case that would be really weird. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm kind of pulling it back from that from that idea. I mean, I threw it out there initially, uh, but it it does seem like I don't know. It was so easy for him to break out of jail. Maybe he could run a criminal empire from it too. Who knows? Well, exactly. I mean, the episode was called Power Broker, and the thumbnail is a shot of Zemo. <laughs> so. I, I guess. Maybe. I guess. I, I guess I just don't buy Zemo necessarily wanting to be the guy who is uh, having a scientist develop super soldier serum. But again, maybe Zemo's had a change of heart since being incarcerated. So I don't, what do I know? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's going to be a fun ride, though, I think. I'm looking forward yeah. to it. All right, dude. We're, we're going to do this again next Friday, man. Get ready, okay? All right. All right. Later. Later, man. You okay? Yeah. Thinking about all the shit Sharon had to go through. And Nate were referring to the American test subject like, like Isaiah wasn't even a real person. Just makes me wonder how many people have to get steamrolled 
to make way for this hunk of metal. Well, it depends on who you ask. The hunk of metal saved a lot of lives. Yeah, I get that, all right. But maybe I made a mistake. You did? Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't have put it in a museum. Maybe I should have destroyed it. Look, that shield represents a lot of things to a lot of people, including me. Well, it's upside down. We need a new cap, and it ain't gonna be Walker. So before you go and destroy it, I'm gonna take it for myself. Hey, there it is. That's the conversation. Falcon in the Winter Soldier, Episode 3, Power Broker. Airing on the Disney Plus exclusively. And I, I really, really enjoyed this episode. I know there have been some online critiques that it's a little bit of a repetitive, slow-paced episode. No, 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 my friends. This episode has got some real good juicy bits on it, some real meat on the bone. And, you know, I think Mark and I did a pretty good job of uh, uh, reading the situations that were given and presenting uh, the listeners, you all, with, with, with uh, possible paths that they, they could go down, and these characters could go down, and the roads at which it could lead to. Uh, um, just a great show. I'm really, really enjoying the heck out of this one. There's there's so much uh, subtlety and complexity to what's going on, particularly particularly with Sam. I talked about it with, with Sam, and and um, the way that Anthony Mackie is 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 portraying him, and, and the way Anthony Mackie has him reacting to information that he's receiving and getting for the first time. And sometimes it's it's a subtle look or a glance or he just, you know, a raised eyebrow. Like, Anthony Mackie's doing a phenomenal job on this show. I think he's straight up killing it. And and he has the harder part of, of the of the duo. Uh, you know, don't get me wrong, Sebastian Stan is, is being great, as he's always been as Bucky, as the Winter Soldier. And transitioning between being Bucky and the Winter Soldier, because remember, it's a very different personality, it's a very different persona than than Sebastian Stan has to worry about doing when he's uh, doing his normal things. I mean, like that, that going back and forth, that that's a ta- that that is a test of an actor's abilities as well. But 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 Sam and his ability to to question information with just a look, the, the like the way like the corners of his mouth kind of will go in and. The, the emotion that he's bringing to the role. I mean, he is the least traumatized of the characters that we have encountered so far. And I think that, that, I think that says a lot about uh, so many of the people that we have to deal with on the show. Obviously, we, 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 to this episode, we are introduced to Sharon Carter and her trauma and her experiences after going rogue and supporting Captain America after the Winter Soldier and during Civil War. You know, obviously, and, and Bucky obviously is, is very damaged, very traumatized. Sam is still sort of like the pure heart and in, in all of this in a lot of senses. Yes, he followed Cap. Yes, he was incarcerated for following Cap. But he was always on the side of right. He always had that to, to, to cling to, that he was on the moral side of right. And, and uh, that always kind of buoyed him and, and, and kept his head above water in a, in a lot of senses. A character like Bucky, who has been dragged beneath the surface far too many times. Uh, so it's just a wonderful juxtaposition against these two characters. I'm loving what's happening on the show. There, there's so much to get into. You know, we got a little hint of Carly and her or in her motivations. We also got a little glimpse at Zemo, and the way that maybe he is subtly getting these characters into position to do, to again to kind of go against their own best interests in service of him. I'm very, I'm very curious how this is all going to play out. And and Mark brought up some interesting points 
about the mask and the use of the purple mask because, listen, I mean, that's what we all want. All of us Marvel comics aficionados, fanatics, you know, uh, Marvel files, whatever you want to call us, the true believers, if you will, as Stan Lee might have called us. We want to see Zemo in that purple mask a lot more. I don't, you know, I don't know if he's going to fall into a vat of glue at some point in this in this show, but uh, I'm very curious if that if that mask becomes like a permanent fixture on his face at some point. We 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 will see. Three episodes left, Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney Plus, and they are straight up killing it. I I, I don't know if if I can have higher compliments for the show other than uh, I, I I can't wait for what's next because. Uh, they're they're just doing a great job. As as much fun as WandaVision was, you know, WandaVision had a unique uh, circumstance around it because it was kind of a puzzle box show. So every episode sort of factored into into other things, and and you know the audience was very much a part of of trying of trying to uh, you know suss out what's going on there and and what was really happening with everything. This is a very different show in that regard because uh yes there's a mystery here yes there is a lot to get into but it's it's a different flavor it's a different cup of tea which again something that marvel does insanely well is 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 constantly mixing it up so your palate doesn't really know or at least your your palate sort of cleanse going into every little thing as 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 the show as the show sort of moves along as the show progresses, as the story progresses, as everything gets deeper, and and you know a big shout out to Malcolm Spellman, who is sort of like this is sort of like the the Marvel version of the showrunner on this thing. Uh, he was the head writer, he helped develop it. Uh, you know, uh, Kari Skoglin, who we mentioned before on the show, helped bring it to life. She's been a part of like the Punisher show on Netflix and a bunch of other great shows on TV. You know, this show has a really re- really well rounded uh, creative team behind the scenes. But but Malcolm Spellman is is uh, probably the main person involved here, and you know you might know him from from Empire, from Our Family Wedding, and and, and things like that. Just ramping it up, and and like the, the the slow incorporation of the elements of the Truth comic book storyline uh, by by uh, Marcus, I think it's Marcus Morales, and, and and Kyle Baker, I think on the on the art, and. Again, I can't wait to see how they they kind of continue to incorporate that storyline into Sam's journey. Does he become excuse me? Does he become Cap? Does he pick up the shield? Does he take the serum? Does he have to stop John Walker at some point? Like, I I feel like they're on a collision course, and 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 it, it will come down to a battle for the shield and the right to to be the shield bearer uh, for this new twenty twenty one America that we find ourselves in, and and. Uh, it's a hell of a journey. It's it's just a wonderful, wonderful experience and a wonderful ride. I'm so glad you're all joining us uh, for it as as we continue to explore what's going to happen next in the Marvel Marvel universe. So I, I I'm going to wrap it up. Great episode today. We're we're going to be back on Monday with a brand new news based episode. We we have a lot of news that we have not been able to get to over the, like the last week or two. So we're going to get everyone caught up on the news. We're going to do a review of, of Godzilla vs. Kong, which is going to be huge, literally huge, as, as Roger and I dive into that. That's right, Roger's back. Roger's back in the fold. We're going to do some news with Raj. We're going to talk about Kong and Godzilla. We're going to talk about Suicide Squad trailers and so much more. And I'm going to tease 
by now you've you you all have probably seen it, uh, and if you haven't, now's the time. Watch it before the show on Monday. Watch the the sizzle reel for the last Starfighters, uh, because I am going to be dedicating a chunk of time to talking about my absolute love of the, of the last Starfighter and why I'm so excited uh, to potentially see this sequel slash reboot come to fruition. Uh, but before we wrap up the show, we can't wrap up the show without the, the dearest thanks of all dearest thanks is, is that, is that English? I don't even know anymore. Thank you to the official members of Pophead Nation. They went over to patreon.com forward slash Tomcast Popcast and they, they pledged their hard-earned money uh, to supporting this show financially. And uh, I can't thank them enough. They have access to sweet bonus content, which I owe them some more. And that's going to happen very, very soon. But thank you so much to the current Patreons. The Aspen Hill Chody, the Batman, the Bay Park, Jeff Nail. Jeff is a co-host of The Ringing Year, a great music podcast. I recommend it highly. Thanks to Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles, the Squidmaster General, Brian Roussard, the New Jersey Devil, Mark Wegemer, and our very own Joker and Harley Quinn, Brian and Krista of Pariah Brewery Company, making all the delicious beers in San Diego, California, and keeping so many satisfied listeners or I guess so many listeners of this podcast satisfied with their delicious libations. Gotta love the beer. Gotta love the, the the indie beer scene in San Diego. So much fun. Remember, we are on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Pandora, Amazon Music, Audible, so many, many more. And uh, hey, that's the show for this week. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for enjoying it. I hope you're having as much fun with Falcon and Winter Soldier as we are. We'll be back next next Friday for that. But on Monday, remember, news, Godzilla versus Kong. Get ready. Get ready. Just stay buckled up. Don't even get out of your seats. Just keep holding to your butts and stay buckled. All right. Ciao, babes. Great story. Compelling and rich. We're not going to be fucking sunk this year. We're the Stanley Cup champions. Yeah.